0: Welcome to MJ Loves Toku, episode 59. This is MJ, loves Love Tokusatsu, and right now I want to talk about Kamen Rider 4. Not Kamen Rider 4, but I mean, 1971, Kamen Rider, the original show, episode 4. And uh, I have two titles for this episode. I really wanted to stick with this formula of going with really cool Takeshi Hango quotes. Uh, the best I was able to pull from this episode is I'm Afraid I'm Not As... Oh, I spelled it wrong. <laughs> I'm afraid I'm not as strong as the common Rider, so that's, that's funny, I'm gonna leave that in, folks, I I mean, I'll probably correct that for uploading, but, uh, if you're watching the video, you get to see my goof here, ay, 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 anyway, so, I'm, I'm afraid I'm not as strong as the common Rider, or, like, has Shocker taken away even my ability to soothe a small child, those are both, like, decent quotes, uh, they're weird, though, um, the I'm not as... I'm afraid I'm not as strong as the common Rider is interesting because uh, I wanted to uh, take the angle on that of, like, a, another... Uh, another psychological... Or I don't know if I already say the word psychological, so anyway. An angle on it that Shikeshi Hongo is kind of separating himself from the common Rider uh, as much as he can in order to not maintain his sanity, but to help him cope with what's happened to him. And... Uh, I was going to talk about that, but um, I feel like uh, there will be opportunities for me to do that in the future, and uh, I definitely take myself too seriously with these uh, analyses, and uh, I thought I was going to have, or I figured I'd have more fun this time, so my, uh, you know, what I'm really going to go with is this idea that common uh, Rider is our monster. Common Rider is the monster who is on our side, and I really like that, and I think the, uh, visuals in this episode, uh, kind of work towards it. There's this great scene where the, well, the Saracenian, or the pitcher plant man, as they call him in the subtitles of the episode, which is different from how they title the episode, um, <laughs> which is funny, uh, I think they call him the human-eating Saracenian, because really, if he's, a, you know, if he's a plant man now, is he really a cannibal if he eats people? I don't know, I don't know how I feel about it. Anyway, um, but, uh, the Saracenian, breaks into, um, I don't even know whose home it is, I guess it's, it's the, Ken, Kenji and Yuki is home, uh, and, uh, anyway, he's in there, he's attacking, uh, Ruriko, and, uh, I still need to remember her name, Hir- Hirumi? Hir- Hirumi, I think? Anyway, uh, he's attacking them, and then, uh, the writer comes in, and he's, uh, his eyes glow, and then a uh, bright light flashes from behind him, which, you know, that light shouldn't have been anywhere, but shouldn't have been coming from anywhere, but this is, you know, you know drama and a TV show, and they're escalating the... Uh, they're escalating things by using, you know, interesting imagery, and uh, that's exactly what they've done here, and uh, the way his eyes light up, it's not like, oh, I am the beacon of hope, common Rider, I am here to save you, it's more like, I'm here to kill, and... I'm going to kill the thing that's scaring you and hunting you and haunting you, and, uh, I think that's pretty cool, uh, I think that's pretty cool, I don't know if that comes more, uh, I don't know if that's, like, a writing decision or a directing decision, because obviously, you know, the picture plant man is gonna, you know, attack these people, and then is gonna save them, that sounds like maybe a writing, you know, the way it would be written, and then, you know, he comes through the window the, you know, his, it's dark, and then his eyes flash, and then there's a flash of light behind him, and he leaps through the window and starts attacking. That seems more like a directing decision. Um, and, anyway, I don't know who to credit for that necessarily, but, uh, I will, uh, share with you the, uh, the credits for this episode. So, apparently this was, according to the Japanese wiki, or wiki, uh, this was episode three in order of production. The, uh, director was Itaru Orita, and then, I'm a little confused about the name here, I probably should have scanned through, uh, more, uh, writing credits to see exactly who this could have been, but, uh, it says, Ichikawa Morichi Shimada, is that three different writers, or is that one person's name? I don't know, I don't know, um, I'll have to do some more research on that and get back to you, uh, and include more information about that next time I talk about common writer or, yeah. So anyway, I, uh, those are the people who did it. Itaru Orita did the directing, uh, which I believe they did the directing on episode 2, uh, as well, and then, uh, Ichikawa Morichi Shimada would be who the writing credits go to. Anyway, moving on from there. Uh, and the thing with me, uh, including these credits is I just kind of want to, uh, include them so I can get a feel for all the different people involved and see if anything sticks out in particular from their different writing styles. Like, um, I guess, uh, so there was a lot I liked about this episode and I, I liked it overall, but there were a lot of scenes where there was just like random, um, random scenes of quietness or wasn't quietness, but, like, there was no dialogue, there was no conversation, it was all just, um, kind of action with some music behind it, um, A is threatened that she'll be killed by Shocker, you know, of course, and, um, she has till noon before she's gonna be set into the, uh, you know, the chamber or whatever and have all that electricity run through her body, and it'll probably kill her unless she's, you know worthy of being a Shocker cyborg, but, you know, which who knows, uh, but she obviously doesn't want to meet that fate, because she watched a man die right in front of her, uh, because he wasn't strong enough, and, you know, Shocker has no problem, you know, murdering people, obviously, that's what they do all the time, but, um, anyway, uh, Hongo is riding his motorcycle to go rescue her, and it's just, like, this very, like, dramatic, uh, very, um, I don't know how to say it, but it's, uh, it's a very percussive soundtrack, and he's just riding, you know, across a great distance, he's, like, on the streets, he's in the wilderness, he's in, like, you know, different areas, and it's just, this whole time, and it was a little... I don't know, it was a little, like, anticlimactic, and I was thinking, like, what are they... Was the episode short, and they're like, you know what, we need to be, like, two minutes longer. Could we add in some, uh, B-roll of him riding around and, uh, put some really intense music behind it as he's going to save her? And, you know what, we'll frame it, we'll edit it like this so it looks like he's racing against the clock to rescue her, because I don't think he knew what time she was going to be executed, um, or, you know, potentially killed, but... Anyway, uh, let me just zoom through, um zoom through some some stuff uh, to talk about for this episode. So, again, overall, I liked it. Uh, I think the effects were a lot better as far as, like, the Saracenian, uh, like, dragging uh, UK into the ground. You know, they had, you know, peat moss or whatever and they had a tarp that they'd cut holes in and whatever and then, like, he's standing in it and pulling her down. I mean, they must have dug up I mean, these maybe look like fake plants, too, but they must have, you know, spent some time doing the, the work for the practical effect to work, where he's pulling her into the ground, and I think it looks pretty good, and then what they do is, as her hand is descending in, you know, where there's the hole and everything, in order to make it look like it's been covered up and you can't see her, it's difficult to see where she went, I guess they fade, or they fade it, or dissolve from, uh, yeah, they dissolve to the hole completely closed up, so maybe before the scene, or after they'd covered it up, or whatever, but... Um, it's, like, a lot less jumpy, and it's a lot cleaner, and it just looks like, yeah, she went underground, and then somehow, mysteriously, the, you know, ground closed up, and, uh, you know, she wasn't able to be seen again, and, you know, that was pretty, pretty intense, pretty interesting and scary, especially for little Kenji, um, <laughs> anyway, uh, I like the fact that he goes, and he gets, uh, he runs into Ruruko and, oh, her friend, and, uh, and, She's just a more important character. The friend is just there to help. Just like, uh... Well, unfortunately, I remember the waiter's name all the way from back when I was watching the show years ago. I'm pretty sure it's Goro. But I might only remember that because I'm pretty sure Ichinomori's son is named Goro. Anyway. Um... Anyway. Uh... Goro is bugged with the kid because they take him to Snack Amigo and he's like, Hey, you shouldn't tease grown-ups. You shouldn't be lying to them. And then I really like that Hongo believes, uh, Kenji. Um... He goes on to, or he goes on to say that part of the reason he believes Kenji is because six other people have disappeared next to this uh, botanical garden uh, where Yukie was when she disappeared, and, you know, where Kenji was with her, and, um, you know, I mentioned that she, there was a guy executed right in front of her, um, and I think that the idea is supposed to be that he's one of the six people that was captured by... Uh, picture plant man (laughs) which by the way I keep saying that because uh I like to be obnoxious sometimes it's funny to me and uh I'm sure some people would say he's not picture plant man he's yeah I yeah (laughs) I I don't need to give my credit to anybody I don't need you to believe uh that I'm uh you know a tokusatsu archivist or historian or whatever um I'm, I'm just I'm a guy who likes this stuff and enjoys talking about it so I'm gonna do it however the heck I want Anyway, I like that Hongo believes the kid. It's nice, it's, op, you know, it's good and optimistic. It's nice for children to see that, you know, the hero character is gonna believe in you or, you know, trust you and not be like most adults who just ignore children and dismiss them as being, you know, ridiculous or silly or whatever. Uh, that's fun. I, I, I'm sure uh, it's not as forward-thinking as that, but at least looking back from where I am now, uh, I can kind of read that into it, and it makes me happy. It makes me like it. It makes me like Hongo more. Uh, okay, so then here's the line. Has Shocker taken even my ability to see the Crank He was trying to help Kenji and help him feel better, and he was holding his hands, and his cyborg strength kicked in, or he lost focus and ended up hurting the kid. And I just think that's a really interesting idea. Once again, this is one more win which Shocker has stripped away some of Hongo's humanity, or at least uh, they've made it hard for being fully human to be his default, like, I hope they never do anything like this, but it would almost be, and I, I doubt they do, based on what I know from Combinator, but it would almost be interesting to see if, at some point, Shocker were to try to tempt Hongo to come back, and like, look, we're gonna finish your, um, like, you've done so much, you've been through so much, you know, so much heartache, like, maybe like an older, like, this would be cool for them to do in a movie, um, well, I mean, I don't know that they're gonna get to, um, Hiroshi Fujio to ever come back for another movie, But, uh, like, he did that awesome movie with Combinator Ghost, one of the best ever. Just like Combinator Ghost, it's one of the best ever. Anyway, don't argue, with, or go ahead and argue with me if you want, but it's the truth, and you know, the truth will set you free. Anyway, uh, it would have been interesting to see a concept, like, he's been through so much, and he's, he has so much heartache, that in order to escape from that that he would be willing to give his mind over to shocker and they would erase his memory or something but he would never do that knowing the consequences and uh knowing what they would do with his body once he had you know given himself to them but still i think it'd be interesting to see uh him at a point where he i don't know would be offered that but wouldn't consider it because that would not be good for him to consider it i mean it would be dramatic that's sure but I i wouldn't like it ultimately uh let's see so the fights were super intense in this episode, uh, he did a lot of, uh, like, jumping down hills, and it's interesting, because, like, the, you know, the shocker grunts, um, they have to, you know, fall and be hurt and whatever by every move the rider does, and they can't really get, uh, a good hit on him, like, they do, like, they might connect with a hit or two, he's not dodging every hit, but they're usually not hurting him, uh, you know, at all, um, or, he, he's pretty able to shrug him off, but, uh, it's funny to watch how they try to sell that as a special effect, or, you know, given this is, you know, special effects, and it's people faking that they're hurt, and being injured by this guy, and that he's able to shrug off, because, you know, they're barely tapping him, or whatever, right? You get, I think you get what I'm saying, but in, at some moments, he's, like, jumping down the hill, and, uh, trying to do it, and I'm pretty sure this is Fujioka, because he did a lot of the fight scenes, at least early on, um you know, dressed as the writer, and, uh, anyway, it's just kind of awkward, uh, but it's still pretty darn effective, like, uh, like, for a moment, I pause, like, oh, they're really trying hard, but ultimately, I really do like the effect of it, and the editing, and the pacing, uh, of it is frenetic enough, um, but not in a way where it's, like, gonna make me throw up by watching it, like, the shaky cam in movies, like, uh, those Bourne movies, I couldn't watch those, man, anyway, um, and at least this, it's far enough away that you can actually see what's going on in the fight, uh, which is something I like, even if they do a lot of cuts. So again, I liked it. I liked that these um, Pitcher Plant Man guys uh, were all our combat men. I should say we're all wielding knives and uh, We're like throwing knives and stuff. That was a really cool detail. It was different And they also had whips, but you didn't really get to see them like winding up with the whips You basically just saw uh writer catching them and you know using them against them instead or throwing them or whatever I really like the fact that he, uh, takes a hostage again, um, the, the title I want to go with, or the focus of this episode is that Kamen Rider is the monster who works for people, who, <laughs> who fights against, uh, Shocker, and I like that a lot, um, there's just something so satisfying about, uh, him being a tool of evil, and, you know, he's supposed to be a tool of evil, but he uses that evil power against that evil instead, or that, you know, power rooted and evil and I won't belabor it beyond that, but I just think it's really neat that he actually captures this guy. And uh apparently Shocker, whenever one of their people's captured, they just have them executed or the they one, they don't care, and then two, in order to type loose ends, they go and have them executed. And that's uh, you know, not great for them. Um I already talked about UK. I again I like the fact that Shocker's like still trying to build their ranks and the fact that six other people have been captured besides UK and who knows how many of them uh, were turned into some sort of shocker cyborg, uh, it gives you the feeling and it gives you the sense that there are stakes and that Hongo is fighting a losing battle so far. Yeah, he's able to save some people, but six people probably are dead, and if they're not dead, they've been turned into shocker, uh, you know, cyborgs, and, uh, that's pretty scary. Anyway, uh, I couldn't really capture it well. I probably would have had to have done a a video clip, but at one point, (laughs) um, Common Rider is driving on this hill towards all these shocker combat men and they just jump out of the way because he's gonna hit them uh with his motorcycle. And that's uh again, that's really cool. Like that's that's mean, and that's nasty, uh, but it's very effective. And I'm glad he's, you know, working on the side of the heroes or the good people. Uh there was so while there wasn't uh so, I'm sorry. <laughs> I like this camera trick they do with uh changing the lighting, or not the camera trick, but these Things that they do to set the mood and the ambiance. When the Sarsenian is uh, invading the Yukie Kenji home or apartment, they do this cool thing where they tint the lights green and they throw his silhouette up on the curtain. And then he just, like, gets in somehow. They don't explain how. It's creepy. It's weird. But I like the visuals that they did as it was, you know, winding up. And then uh, there's this nasty effect where he grabs one of his own men uh, it, it was number three who was captured, and he, like, dissolves his body, I guess, kind of like, he's like, a, he's a pitcher plant, so it's like a Venus flytrap. So I guess the idea is that he has something in his body, and he's got his, like, tentacles or whatever, vines wrapped around this guy's face. And um, he's somehow, you know, using that to inject the chemicals into his body and cause him to be, you know, dissolved or whatever. And he does this great thing where he's, like, squeezing the guy's torso, they, they zoom in on that, and then all of a sudden, like, the shirt like, deflates, because the guy's body's gone, and it's, a uh, pretty nasty, pretty cool effect, and I really love the, the suit design for Saracenian, uh, I think one of the best things is how open his eyes were, and how they designed, uh, the eyes of the mask to, uh, reveal the human eyes inside, because something about, like, whoever played him physically, uh, has, some creepy looking eyes, especially in that mask, and in, you know, the full context or whatever, and I don't know, there's just interesting things about him, he's got this, like, weird, super, super wide mouth, um, he's got, like, a cleft chin, like, a really strong chin, and, uh, like, the tendrils, or, like, vines on his head shake, especially when he's making that, ah, 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 sound, which is disconcerting, and I do not like it, uh, I, I don't know why they do that, um, you know, there's the, like, meme of the Shocker guys, but, like, you know, that's, that's okay, I don't really like that, it's a little too campy for me, honestly, like, you know, I want Shocker to, to stay scary, uh, and I think they can, um, like, nobody from Golgum ever did that kind of stuff, and they were, like, the perfect balance of being, you know, for a kid's show, and, uh, being scary, I think, but anyway, uh, but did Golgum really have grunts? I don't think Golgum had grunts, I think only, uh, Crysis did, anyway, I'm a huge, I love Black and Black RX, so, um, yeah, that, that showing here anyway uh but he does this like irritating disgusting despicable like ah, and his head tendrils shake and he's just he's super creepy and those eyes uh definitely help with the creepiness so I, i'm praising all that even as i say i kind of don't like it anyway and then there's the great scene where uh hongo breaks in you know his eyes light up and everything and he breaks in and fights her and, and i just love that they're fighting in an apartment like they're not afraid to do this kind of stuff, they get outside pretty quickly. But it's just—I don't know—it feels kind of bold to me. And it feels like, as a kid watching this, it would have felt like, "Oh man, the stakes are real. Like they're in someone's home. Like that's my apartment. You know, it looks like our, we've got that orange carpet too." And uh, I don't know. I just think that's—that's that's really fun. I—I I like when superhero stuff can be a little pedestrian, but like it's still um there's still this high stakes. But it's like it's happening in my home. That kind of thing is fun. Uh, I like that saracenian has like a whip. Um, I think that's pretty cool. And again, his suit design is cool. It's super simple. Uh, Those heights, man, though, like, that dude looks like he has the stuff, like, painted on. Um, But anyway, uh, you know, he's rocking it pretty well, but it's fun that, like, most of his body's, you know, the green, and then he's got, like, that red leaf on his forehead, and then, like, the yellow... Leaf on like his midsection or something, and then it's like all those like harsh red veins, uh, like they evoke blood, they evoke you know, veins on plants. Uh, I think it's you know, very, very good stuff. And then just I i love the vines, and then the vines being turned into whips that's one of my favorite things in you know, media. Uh, let me see, I i, I made a video clip that uh, I will post on uh, on Twitter, and I'll embed it into the um, post where you see this too, or you know, on over on, on the blog where I ha- I'll have the. Everything posted for this episode, like the show notes and everything, so to speak, and images from it. Um, and again, Hongo uh, saying he's not as strong as the common to Kenji is cute. And like, it's kind of fun how he, you know, is distancing himself from this you know, dual identity that he has. Uh, but at the end, um, Kenji and Yukie visit Hongo and they talk to him. And they have a real nice conversation for, you know, a minute, minute, minute and a half, something like that. And then he walks off and, uh, you know, the narration is just talking about how lonely he is and how um he's just gonna have to keep carrying on as Kamen Rider and I don't know it's kind of funny like I know and I know I wasn't going to talk about this too much but you know I want too much it's just interesting how like to cope he kind of separates himself from the Kamen Rider but he knows that that's who he is at the end like he can't ever deny it but he tries to push it off and like yeah I'm Takeshi Hongo and I helped and I'm you know Kamen Rider's friend and like you know we help each other out and just I don't know that's an interesting idea to me A very interesting idea and I I like it. And I don't know, I love the optimism and the playfulness and the good-heartedness of Takeshi Hongo. And like seeing all that, it's no wonder, you know, he's able to bear all this stuff and to be a good guy uh, in spite of everything that's happened to him. And that's really admirable. But you know, then again, he is, you know, our monster. (laughs) And I love seeing him wreck Shocker. And it's just, it's really interesting how like he, you know, wields violence against them or whatever. But like, that's the tool that's the tool you need sometimes in order to stop evil people from doing evil, and, uh, you know, he wields it deathly, and it's, uh, I don't know, it's interesting how, like, extreme he's willing to go, and I like it, it's fun, it's, it's a different, I guess it's probably just a different ethos, um, from western superhero type stuff, or western adventure stuff, and that's why it's extra fun to see, I don't know, let me know what you think about that, um, i'm not uh i try very hard not to be like a japanophile or you know hardcore weeaboo or whatever I'm like oh these things are so much better because they're from japan like i happen to enjoy a lot of stuff from japan and i think it's just uh there's like a an ethos or or like a, a way that they do their heroic characters and stuff uh that i just personally find very compelling and i identify with um, because I don't mind people, you know, going a little extra hard, but, like, I don't like the Punisher, or things like that, or the concept of the Punisher, because, like, you know, the guy just, like, goes around killing people, like, that's not cool, uh, I still identify more with characters like Spider-Man, uh, like, that's more of where I want things to be, and, like, um, yeah, that's kind of my ideal, and even though Commander is very severe, like, he does kill monsters, you know, on the regular, but he kills monsters who are like straight up murdering people and that's like their only reason to exist and that's the only reason to stop them and I think if Spidey was going up against people who were just trying to murder as many people as possible uh he would have to behave a little bit differently but I'm not here to argue about Spider-Man you can check that out uh, eventually as I get when I get back to Spider-Man uh on Swing Through Comics uh I'm wrapping up on on Cap there anyway I'm diverting from what I from the point of this analysis and, and review and whatever so uh, I'll go ahead and uh, thank you for your attention and get out of here. If you enjoyed this, like, comment, and share to help me grow. Don't forget to subscribe to keep current with each release. Chat with me on Twitter at MJ Visit MJMunoz.com slash podcast to find the multiple feeds in which I analyze Star Wars, Tokusatsu, comics, and more. Visit MJMunoz.com slash support for links to my Redbubble and coffee pages, so you can help keep me doing the things I do. Thank you so much for your time and attention. Until next time, be well, and remember, you don't have to shout Henshin to be a hero.